would like to welcome back Kyle Andrews of the Baltimore Sun Media Group as we're going to discuss uh, the one team from the Washington area that we did not talk about last time. That'd be the Washington Wizards. And it would not be anything about a Wizards conversation if we didn't talk about their little rivalry with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'd like to welcome Kyle back. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm glad to be back. Um, this is a <laughs> sore subject for me, uh, just considering that the the Cavs completely dominated the Wizards in their uh, in their quote unquote rivalry. I mean, uh, on paper, it, it was a rivalry. I mean, there was lots of discussions, you know, had about the two teams. The two teams obviously did not like each other. It, it's one of those. It's more of a footnote when you talk about the rivalries of that era, but it still it still happened. And, you know, people that lived in Cleveland and the Washington area they really felt it, and they had you know deep feelings and very hard, uh, you know, bold opinions about either team. I mean, at that time, I could not stand the Washington Wizards, and I know for a fact that you didn't like the Cavs. Yeah, I it, it took me a long time to get over how much I, I couldn't stay in the Cavs at that point. I mean, it was, it was a tough situation. I mean, like, you know, the cat, even, even going forward, you know, I kind of, I couldn't stay in the Cavs early on in LeBron's second run, but, um, you know, it took me a little bit of time to get over it. Once they won the championship, I'm like, okay, well, you know, the Wizards are never going to compete on that level. So I can't be too upset. I mean, that's a that's a solid point. I mean, it's just, you know, the Wizards just were not necessarily the second go-around uh, as competitive as the first go-around of uh, matchups in the playoffs. I mean, because they met three years in a row. Um, their first meeting was definitely, uh, game six was an exclamation point with, uh, it was Gilbert Arenas at the free throw line, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, and he, and he missed the two free throws. <laughs> Then we, yeah. then we got that game winner from the one and only Damon Jones. Who's... Still makes me sick. Every <laughs> single one of them. I, I had a I had a friend who was a Pistons fan growing up, and he could not stand Damon Jones because all he did was just sit in the corner. And you know where that shot came from? Damon Jones in the corner. <laughs> it's just, un, I mean, it's unconscionable to me how, you know, he just stayed open. It was, it was never a time where I'm like, okay, well, you know, someone's on Damon Jones. And no one thinks that – no one ever thought to, you know, stick him. It was just that he just hung open every time. And, I mean, there you had Deshaun Stevenson who was probably – I mean, honestly, Deshaun Stevenson was ahead of his time. I mean, he was a, he was a quintessential 3 and D guy. But, you know, he was for some reason on LeBron. And I don't understand why that matchup just, I mean, as we know, you know, you had the whole Deshaun Stevenson, LeBron, uh, you know, feud, quote unquote, that went on where Jay-Z got involved somehow and then compared himself to LeBron and, and Deshaun Stevenson to Soldier Boy. So, I mean, that, that to me is still one of the most hilarious things that come out of all that. But, I mean, in all honesty, like, looking back on it, it wasn't wrong. I mean, that's pretty close to accurate, I would say. I mean, time has not been kind to Deshaun Stevenson. Uh, you know, uh, how things have uh, unfolded between 
the two players. Deshaun Stevenson was very unlikable. Um, I can't think of uh, of at the time of anything kind I said about Deshaun Stevenson just because he was he was irritable. Was just you you watch him play, you'd watch him, you know, go back and forth. With LeBron, it's like, dude, like that's LeBron James. You're Deshaun Stevenson. Okay. Yeah, you're not even in the same realm. Don't even attempt to act like you're in the same realm. Like there are multiple tiers of players in between you and and LeBron. So let let, let do some self discovery real quick. Just kind of some self reflection. Realize where you're at on the totem pole, kind of. I'm like I'm sure that playing against Deshaun Stevenson was annoying on w- several levels, but it's sometimes the uh, the disillusion of where the player is in comparison to someone like LeBron James that may may have been kind of annoying for LeBron at that moment in time. Almost oh, definitely. I mean, and the thing is, they were. It, it's it's one of those situations where I mean, I don't think I don't think many other players have had a you know a more annoying person. That they that they had kind of you know kind of a feud with, I won't even call it a rivalry. I'll just call it a feud. I mean, I can't think of anyone that you know was it was it was such a huge gap. You know, like Michael Jordan had Isaiah Thomas. You know, that that's a legit think, feud. Yeah, and that's a legitimate feud, but. You know, and then Michael Jordan also had Magic and Bird that he, you know, went up against and Barkley and guys like that. But like, you know, Deshaun Stevenson, and and that's sad because you would think with the Wizards, I mean that that team had a lot of talent. You know, they had Antoine Jameson, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, Karan Butler was a very good player. Um, Gilbert Arenas, you know, no doubt in my mind, had he you know, not falling off with the knee injuries and, you know, also brought a gun into a lock into the locker room. Um, I think he would have been a hall of famer himself. I mean, he was the best player on that team and he was a perennial MVP candidate when healthy, you know, I'm never, I mean, I don't think the wizards, let's say if Gilbert, if Gilbert arena stayed healthy, it's no doubt in my mind that he would have gone down as the greatest playing bullets and wizards history outside of Wes Unsell, you know? And I think that it's, it's sad when I think those guys had to, you know, kind of try I mean, they, they kind of let themselves just like go to work and then they didn't stick with Bron, you know, you didn't have Karan. I mean, Karan Butler was on LeBron occasionally. I guess they kind of switched on and off, but you know, it, it it didn't make much sense to me that Deshaun Stevenson was your main option going against the best player in the league at that time, if not, you know, one of the top two, three best players in the league at that time. And I think he was the best. So <laughs> I just don't get why you would even attempt to do that. And so I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at game six of 06. They only the Wizards only played seven players in that game, seven. So they had their starting lineup, which was Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, Anton Jamison, Jared Jeffries, Brendan Haywood. Mm-hmm. Their bench was Antonio Jared Daniels, Jeffries. Michael Ruffin, Eaton Thomas. 
So this was this was a year before Deshaun Stevenson, but the fact that they only played seven players and six of them played the majority of the minutes is just astounding. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very it wasn't Eddie Jordan's best coaching job, I would say. I mean, because you know, not that the other guys that didn't play were necessarily uh, different. They wouldn't makers. Have really changed anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. This is a, but this is an overall a very large lineup when I'm looking at these guys. There, there's not really a whole bunch of. If this team played a team now, they would have get circles run around them just because of how big these guys are. Yeah, they were they were giants. I would totally agree with that. I mean, you know, Antoine Jameson was. I mean, he was a smaller power forward at the time, you know. But I also feel like the guys that came off the bench, I mean, Michael Ruffin was a center. Aton Thomas was a power forward slash center. I mean, he'd be, he'd be a center, no doubt, in today's game. Brendan Haywood, third center. So you're, you're running with three centers and, you know, a power forward and, you know, Jared Jeffries, whatever he did. <laughs> yeah, the, the only only other guard that played besides Gilbert Arenas, our guy listed as technically a guard, would be Antonio Daniels. I mean, because Karan Butler's a small forward shooting guard, but in reality, he's more of a small forward. Exactly. But Antonio Daniels is the only one that was capable of playing the point guard position. I just find that absolutely wild looking at this. That And the even more funny part about all of this was the fact that Inactive on that on that same Wizards team was uh, Andre Blatch, who ended up becoming a fan favorite down the line. But um, another center, you know. <laughs> yep, exactly. Another <laughs> center. And they had, I mean, that team, the Wizards. I, I feel like, you know, for the longest time, just loved getting these really big guys and just hope for, you know, Kwame Brown. We talked a little bit about him. You know, they, they love getting these centers that, you know, just don't pan out. Or, I mean, JaVale McGee was another guy. Um, I mean, it's tough. And Jan Besley was another guy that was a center that didn't pan out. I mean, he's he's good in the EuroLeague, but, you know, as everybody knows, the EuroLeague is in the NBA. So, Yeah, very much different between those two leagues. But you know, comparative wise, looking at the Cavs lineup, they played a, a handful of uh, smaller players. I mean, they played Larry Hughes, Eric Snow, uh, the aforementioned uh, Damon Jones for all of fourteen seconds, um, and Ronald Murray, aka Flip Murray. <laughs> but they they yep, played. Totally some, remember Flip Murray too. They played. They played some some guys that were a little bit smaller. But they did play on play some of their bigger guys too: Drew Gooden, Sejunas Ogauskas, Daniel Marshall, uh, Anderson Varejao. So they were able to match up with the the bigger guys, but it seemed like maybe the having some of the smaller people gave them a little bit of an advantage when it came towards the the final shot for the Cavs, at least at that point, with Damon Jones being in the being in the corner. Uh, he right. was able to you, get a little bit get loose a little bit easier. Right, and if you look at some of those guys' plus-minus, I mean, as you can see, Zydrunas Olgowskis, his plus-minus in that in that final game was uh, negative 14, and Drew Gooden had negative 11. Um, Eric Snow wasn't him. I mean, he wasn't Eric Snow from the Sixers. So, you know, he was negative 9. I mean, his defense wasn't amazing. I mean, LeBron was on the floor I don't know how long. What was it, 53 minutes that he played in that game? Yeah, 53 minutes total. Yep, where he's played 50 minutes and 22 seconds. I mean, 
they were on the floor a lot and they still had a high plus i mean they still had a higher plus minus than uh than not so i mean you know anderson Vergeau, you know known as a defender solid rebounder you know he had a he had a one plus minus damon jones had a two and um he was only on court for 14 <laughs> seconds that makes and he was the one that killed the wizards you know i just find that it's it's sad like you know, and then they also had Danielle Marshall and Ronald Murray. I mean, they they had a plus sixteen, plus minus. So, I mean, they they played extremely. You know, they were in there. They they kept it. They kept it together. I mean, they were the glue guys. Yeah, three of those games in that series came down to one point. That was game three, game five, and game six. So it was a very close series. And while it, it was exciting for the Cavaliers standpoint in, in the end at least it may have been while it didn't work out for the wizards at least the wizards were able to you know fight the whole way there so it wasn't necessarily an unentertaining series right Maybe. and i and i totally i totally agree with you on that i mean it's not like it was uh some of the the second go around Cavs series and the you know the first round where they're beating people by 20 points over and over again. <laughs> right. So at least they were able to keep it close through that first series uh, and win a couple games, push it to six. But wasn't necessarily the same case for their second series the the next year when Deshaun Stevenson got added to the mix. Uh, Cavs won all four games that they played. Um, no one-pointers. So uh, games were maybe a little bit less entertaining for the Wizards this time around. Uh, but, you know, looking at some of the, the guys they had playing, um, seems like they at least embraced uh, a little bit more variety of players. Not just playing uh, Gilbert Arenas and, and a whole bunch of forwards and centers. Um, so they were able to spread the minutes out a little bit more, but that may have been because Gilbert Arenas was not playing. Exactly. And I think that, you know, have not having Gilbert Arenas around is what crushed the Wizards at that point. I mean, you know, like like we like we mentioned before, Gilbert Arenas was an MVP candidate um, prior to his injuries. And I mean, that season was one of the first of his knee injuries and, you know, not having him around and having guys like, <laughs> unfortunately for the Wizards. I mean, it's not to say Roger Mason wasn't a solid backup you know, point guard. I think Roger Mason was, you know, very good at times for the Wizards, but I also feel like, you know, you had so many other players that just, you know, had to step up that couldn't, you know, they couldn't make up the difference. And, uh, I mean, Antonio Daniels, he played the year prior, but, um, you know, he had to take a bigger role. He averaged 13 points a game. I mean, during that playoff run, not a run really, but, you know. They're four games. <laughs> The little cup of right. coffee in the playoffs, <laughs> and then uh, Antoine Jameson had to step up in a big way. I mean, he was he was great that entire playoff series. I mean, he had he averaged thirty two points, had nine. I mean, nine point eight rebounds a game. So I mean, he's almost averaging a double double at that point. But then you had to play guys like you know Darius and Gila, who who played well. Don't get me wrong; like he played well in his in his. I mean, in his time. You know, and then you had Deshaun Stevenson, who was an absolute net in that playoff <laughs> series. 
Um, Brendan Haywood, I mean, you know, he just, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like he sputtered and he didn't end up playing, you know, one of those games. Um, you know, they had to play a Tom Thomas a lot. And, I mean, it was clear that center-wise, I mean, they just couldn't match up. It's just so funny how it's it, it came out to be completely different. I mean, they used way more guards in this in the, in the second series against the Cavs, but it didn't work out at all. No, uh, and let me say, nothing gave me more pleasure that in Game 4, the series clinching game, that Deshaun Stevenson went 0 for 8 from the field. Nothing gave me more pleasures because I did not like him that much. Um, but it, watching Anton Jameson is is an interesting, uh, I guess, topic because Anton Jameson was an absolute nightmare. Just gave the Cavs headaches. Just kept scoring. Just kept you know playing great. You know they ended up being on the Cavs a couple years later. So that was a source of mixed feelings once he got traded to Cleveland. Yeah, it felt really weird. I mean, I. You know, when the Wizards traded Antoine Jameson to the Cleveland, I, I just felt like, you know, it, it was just a completely different feel for them. I mean, everyone was, we understood, I guess everyone in this area understood that, you know, the time was, it came to blow the team up. And, you know, Anton Jameson was a guy that, you know, could possibly recoup them some picks, get them to, you know, have that resurgence in a quicker way. But, you know, as we know, Ernie Grunfeld, <laughs> he completely ruined that, you know, that possibility of uh, happening. So not a good situation to be in as a Wizards fan. No, not at all. And the, uh, the final uh, playoff matchup, in the first go around first three games of that series. Um, well, the first one was kind of close, only a seven point differential, but 30 point blowout, 36 point blowout, <laughs> you know, uh, trading wins and, and losses for the Cavs and Wizards. Then in the final three games, a little bit, you know, next two games, a little bit closer, uh, three point Cavs win one point Wizards win. Then, a you know, a series ender <laughs> in game six where, the Cavs win by a nice, comfortable 17-point margin. But it it seemed that this was a, a little bit better of a of a matchup overall uh, between the two teams, it, even though, uh, you know, in Game 6, there was no Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, I mean, and I think it was, it was really interesting, too, um, you know, seeing Wally Zerbiak on that on that Cavs team too. I mean, every everyone knew Wally Zerbiak as this guy that we was uh, you know the right hand man to Kevin Garnett up in Minnesota. But you know, just seeing him play for the Cavs and actually be as I mean, he was very successful in that series. Um, you know, and Big Z stepped up in a big way too. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that. You know, having having those two guys around, Delonte West played very well. Uh, you know, Joe Smith was another guy that you know stepped in and kind of beat people up um, when you needed him to on a lower block. So I mean, he was, and it's funny, he's a former Turk too. So I know a lot of people in this area are very familiar with Joe Smith. But um, you know, the Wizards just had they had to 
you know, get other guys to step up in the situation. And it just, you know, it didn't happen in the, in the way that they kind of needed it to happen. Like Darius and Gila in the prior series that they had against the Cavs. I mean, he was averaging 10 and then he drops back to 5.8. And maybe that's just because Brendan Haywood played a lot better, but you know, you needed him to come up a little bit more. And, um, you know, some of the young guys that they had, like, I mean, Dominic McGuire, uh, he just didn't get a lot of time. Oleski Petrov was a, was a bust, no doubt. Um, Nick, Nick Young is Nick Young. We all know how he is. <laughs> he's, um, and then he's, he's an interesting person. He's, uh, <laughs> yes. he's like poor man's J.R. Smith is the way I've yes. always looked at him. Exactly. And then I, I mean, then you have Antonio Daniels and Roger Mason, who, by all means, and and today, I feel like Roger Mason would have fit in very well in today's NBA. But I also feel like, you know, you put him in a spot where, I mean, he he didn't shoot very well at the end of, you know, his time um, with the Wizards, I guess, especially in that playoff series. It just... Just seemed like things were the wheels were falling off, and I mean that that's something that the Wizards fell into, even going forward after that. And I mean, as you all know, this kind of led into, you know, the team having to blow up Eddie Jordan leaving, and mm-hmm. um, you know, everything <laughs> went to crap for the Wizards, uh, <laughs> say say the least. Yeah, that, that's just a, another interesting scenario for, for Washington because uh, final two games, Gilbert Arenas does not play. It, it seems like they they almost pulled they, they pulled it off in game five without Gilbert Arenas, so it gave you know Washington some hope there to maybe they could do something. But uh, you know, game six, uh, <clears throat> the reformed uh, you know new look Cavs after they did the huge roster turnover uh mid-season just took care of business and you mentioned a couple guys there uh wally serbiak i was a very big fan of his when they acquired him because i'm just like i know this guy this guy can shoot the three ball well you know perfect addition for what we need lebron alongside lebron that's someone that can shoot the three and i mean game six he made six now you look at someone like delante west lots of non-basketball-related items with Delonte West, but he was someone I was very uh, high on, someone I thought that, you know what, this is a good young guy, could grow along, you know, someone like LeBron. But obviously we all know how things worked out in regards to him. Joe Smith was one of those guys who's kind of had a little bit of... He's got, he had like that veteran savvy at the, at that at this exactly. point in his career. He just he knew where to how to get open and how to make the shot once he got open, and... That was just something I think that they really needed. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the the Cavs were not able to advance uh, much further uh, past this because they ran into the Celtics. Yeah, and they just <laughs> the the Cavs just kept running into running into teams and they just could not get past them. They run into the Celtics in 08. Then that next year was uh, the Magic, I believe. One nine was the Magic. Yes. Yeah. And then I think they then they lost to the Celtics again in two thousand ten. I I still feel 
extremely robbed that we never had a Kobe versus LeBron finals, especially with LeBron being on the Cavs. I, I mean, that was it. I still think back to that. And I'm like, man, how did they lose to the Magic? But then, the, and then you think about the Magic, and that Magic team was very good. I mean, they had some guys that were, you know, like Hidu Turku, who was an absolute monster at times. I mean, he he was the perfect right hand man, um, along with Jameer Nelson, maybe maybe the left hand man <laughs> <laughs> to. Uh, to uh, Dwight Howard down there, so I mean, you had you had guys on that team, and and Court, don't forget about Courtney Lee. I mean, Courtney Lee had some very great games in those in those playoff series as well. So I mean, to me, I, I just think that you know that Orlando Magic team was, man, you know they they almost they almost got there, they almost got there. I mean, that was a very good team. I I don't think. I know Cavs fans at that time had they 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 hung their heads losing to that team, but I mean they were very good. Yeah, that was that was I, a good Magic team, and it's very much unfortunate that they happened to to run to the Magic at that specific moment in time because the Magic just seemed to be clicking on all cylinders, and it was something I don't think the Cavs were necessarily prepared for, and that was a whole bunch of bigger guys that could shoot three pointers. Because that was right. a, a rarity then, and they just seemed to have multiple guys on that roster. That was just didn't matter who it was; they could shoot a three and kill you with it. And it was just absolutely. And I, let's not forget about uh, uh, you know our friend Richard Lewis. <laughs> I mean, it was, who was on that? It was Richard Lewis. It was uh, Hito Turkoglu. It. They they were just good and they were frustrating because they were good. And that was it was so tall. Yeah, and, and Rafer Rafer Alston was on that team. He was kind of you know hard to deal with. Is you know just kind of watching them. And oh, I just found this. I just completely forgot about this. Playing zero seconds in Game Six, former Cleveland Cavaliers head coach Tyron Lue <laughs> for the Orlando Magic. I completely forgot he was on that team. Um, but but moving forward for the for the Wizards, it seems like they they seem like they had some sort of base that they were building with guys like John Wall and Bradley Beal. But it doesn't really seem like they were able to make it all come together. So here here's the thing with the with the Wizards, I. I'll be completely frank with you. I think, you know, Scott Brooks isn't the coach for this team going forward. I, I mean, he he can't be. He absolutely cannot be because, I mean, the thing was when they had Randy Whitman, yes, the offense was extremely frustrating to watch at times. And you just didn't understand why the ball wasn't moving. But the defense was so good with that Wizards team. And I feel like, you know, in today's NBA – you know, you have to have a healthy – I mean, all all points of the NBA, you need to have a healthy balance. But, you know, if I'm going to go one way, everybody's shooting at three. If you can stop that and hold teams under – you know, if you're going to hold a team to under 100 points in today's NBA, you're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, you know, they got away from that when they hired Scott Brooks. That was one. 
Um, I think Ernie Grunfeld constantly made head scratching moves. I mean, you know, you trade, <laughs> you you signed Otto Porter to a max deal just to trade him for Bobby Porters and Jabari Parker. Why? <laughs> you know, and then you trade Kelly Oubre for absolutely pennies. And Kelly Oubre, as we know now, as everybody on Wizards are, he was a fan favorite in Washington. And you traded him for, you know, for nothing. Because the the biggest issue that everybody brought up was that, okay, well, if you traded Kelly Oubre, why is it that now you're going to also dump Otto Porter, the guy that you signed, because you believed in him more than Kelly Oubre, who plays the exact same position? So... You know, yes, okay, I have a I had an issue with them signing Otto Porter, but then on top of it, you trade the guy that I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep him, if you're gonna sign him to that big deal, you might as well keep him. Mm-hmm. But then then they just dumped money into this guy just to move him and then got absolutely nothing out of it because as everyone knows, you know, you can sign a player to a max deal if he's on your team, even if you don't have the cap room in the NBA. You know, that's just how things work. And so teams have to go over the luxury. So the Wizards went over the luxury just to, you know, trade this guy. And it just it's completely mind-boggling. I never understood that. So, um, and then going beyond that, you know, Ernie Grunfeld, I can't name the amount of stupid moves that that guy made. <laughs> As, as as the general manager of the Wizards, I mean, it's 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 I, I I mean it's it's sad. It's honestly sad how many bad draft picks he made. Um, you know, I could go through so many Wizards draft picks that were first round guys, and it, it just under Ernie Grunfeld's tenure, and I'm just like, why? why would you do that you know some of i mean we like we talked about with uh you know alexi petrov awful draft pick (laughs) you know why would you do that and um you know you had another guy and uh and i I talk about um you know we kwame brown another guy awful um, and I mean, part of that was Michael Jordan's fault as well. So I mean, well, you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean, Juan Dixon had a solid NBA career, you know. So I'm not too upset with that pick. And I mean, Jared Jeffries was just—he <laughs> wasn't himself in the NBA. I mean, he just wasn't good. <laughs> There's no no ifs ands or buts about that. Then you draft Jarvis Hayes. I mean, he had a mediocre career in the NBA. Um, and, it's, and it's funny because they drafted Devin Harris and what ha- and Devin Harris was good. And they just let him, you know, they, I don't get it. I just don't understand. It seems like they've made a lot of, uh, for the most part, a lot of picks that have been complimentary type players. But it seems like there are very few guys that you look like, yes, they absolutely nailed this pick. You know, John Wall being one of them, Bradley Beal being the other, but the the other guys on this, I'm looking at this draft history, it just just franchise-wide, but 
you know, just during the Grunfeld era, it's very, uh, um, lackluster. Because I'm looking at some of these guys, I'm just like, okay, uh, either I vaguely remember this person, or I've never heard of some of these guys. And some of those guys are, you know, second rounders, whatever. But, you know, I know who some of the guys are, and some of the guys I'm like, wow, that was just very uh, disappointing. Or, you know, everyone got excited about this guy, and it turned out to be nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty sad in and, and that, and that right. I mean, I thought, I really thought when they when they drafted Kelly Oubre or when they got Kelly Oubre um, in a in a draft trade, um, I just thought that you know he was a guy that I thought was worth keeping around, and they just let him, you know, they traded him for nothing, and I just felt like, you know, that's that's typical Wizards. I mean, but you know, I mean, I think that now the situation that they're sitting in. And I mean, I think they're in a better, I think with Tommy Shepard as their GM, who ironically enough is an Ernie Grunfeld disciple, but he is nothing like Ernie Grunfeld. I mean, it's it's clear to me that, you know, this guy wants to, I mean, last year, it's, it's very funny. I mean, it's kind of comparable to what the Orioles are trying to do, but they, you know, they, they got younger, the Wizards did, and they got cheaper. And I think that was very smart on their part. Now, I think that they tried to find some guys that will contribute to the team, you know, going forward. I think Davis Bertans is one of those guys. You know, I think Rui is another guy, Rui Hachimura. And um, I think, you know, Troy Brown as a, you know, a bench wing isn't a bad fit. But I, I think they need – other guys that are going to step up at this point. And right now, they, you know, outside of John Wall and Bradley Beal, who are you going to go watch the Wizards? I mean, why why would you go watch the Wizards if those two guys at the same time aren't playing on the court? It, it, you know? For, from an outside perspective, it seems like it, uh, a lot of people are trying to put this, like, dividing line between the two, between Beal, between Wall. Or at least that's what it seems like. You know, the team needs to decide on which one of them they need to keep and which one they need to get away, you know, get away from, you know, through a trade or something. What would you do in handling that strange dynamic between the two of them? So I think it's overstated that um, they hate each other. I don't think they hate each other. I mean, I would say if you, if you, a lot of people, you know, that kind of read the reports they read from the national guys. And I think national media has a tendency to blow things out of proportion. And I think if you trust your local sources, especially the guys that are covering and and women that are covering the games on a regular basis, like, um, you know, Candace Buckner from the Wizards, I mean, from the Washington Post, and um, guys like David Aldridge and uh, Fred Katz from The Athletic, I mean – they'll tell you like this, this wizards team isn't, I mean, I think John Wall and Bradley Beal, if they are both, you know, healthy, you know, they don't have any issue with each other. And I think that they also, you know, they play pretty solidly together. I don't think, 
you know, everyone thinks, oh, John Wall and Bradley Beal have this big rift, but John Wall's a pass-first point guard. You know, he's going to give the shot to Bradley Beal because he trusts him. And I think that they need a third guy. They've been so starved for a third option on this team for I don't know how long. They have never had that third option. And maybe, you know, all their teams, you look around the, uh, around the league, and, I mean, you have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and you kind of compare those two to John Wall and Bradley Beal, and then Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson to John Wall and Bradley Beal, and everyone's looking like, well, what are you guys doing? What, are, what have you guys had to show for it? Well, these other guys have been very successful. And the difference is that, you know, both of those sides, they can shoot. I mean, both guards can shoot in that situation. John Wall's a mid-range guy. You know, he's never going to step out on a three-point line and just drill three-pointers. That's just not his game. Bradley Beal can do it, but Bradley Beal's also, at times, I mean, early on this season, he was very inconsistent. So, I mean, it it's, it's one of those situations where I think they need a third guy, you know, whether – and sometimes I think it – it needs to be an outside guy that's established. I think if they had a third option that was, you know, another, maybe not a star, but a third option that was a good veteran, you know, someone that averages about 15, 16 points a game, you know, can be trusted. I think that they would be in a better situation, but I also think that, you know, they could establish that third guy. Like I think Rui Hachimura could be that third guy. I think if they draft the, another guy, you know, that, that other guy can, you know, help out a lot. And I think that they've gotten out-rebounded. Like, ever since Marcin Gortat, you know, left, I think that – and, I mean, he, he kind of – him and John Wall's relationship kind of fell off the, the rails because, you know, he I, – I don't know what the issue was there. But, um, you know, he kind of – John Wall called him out for not hustling to get rebounds. And, I mean, the Wizards got crushed when it came to rebounding this year and, and past years as well. So, I mean, it's just – it's it's a really – you know, I think right now the Wizards, they absolutely need to get a center um, or a power forward that can, they can crash boards because right now they just don't have that. I mean, Rui is a, you know – about five, six years ago, he would have been a small forward, no doubt. Now he is forced to be a power forward, and, you know, he's not a guy that's going to go crash boards, and they need a center that can do that. Yeah, I definitely think a center can go a long way for this uh, current version of the Wizards. Uh, Martian Gortat, definitely one of the uh, underrated players of, of recent memory. He's just been, wasn't a star, just kind of a solid guy, pretty much count on him night in, night out to go do his thing, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty, it wasn't it wasn't you know everything that everyone wants to go see. It's like that guy's gonna go play some you know some solid defense and get some rebounds. Yes, and I think that was that was one thing that you know Wizards fans always appreciated about uh, you know Gortat was that he can always you know he could get the he could be a double doubles guy. You know, I mean, when they got him from Phoenix, his first year was in 2013, 2014. I mean, he had, he averaged 13 points and 9.5 boards a game, you know. And, I mean, he even had 
I think his last season or his second to last season with the Wizards when they played against um when he when yeah when they played against the the I, I can't I think it was the Celtics yep when they played against the Celtics he actually had he averaged a double double so I mean the guy you know was doing more and more as time went on and they it just seemed to me you know they they had a clogged up team I mean when you have him and Nene together um. You know, you're, you're just expecting – I mean, teams aren't going to go down in a pain against you guys, but at the same time, they're just going to drill threes, and that's what happened with I, Isaiah Thomas when he played, you know, with the with the Celtics. And, I mean, I think that then they tried to, you know, remedy that by going outside and trying to, like, normal – you know, not revolutionize their game, but um, modernize their game. And they couldn't do it because, you know, now, you have, I mean, John Wall was injured for so long. Um, I think he's healthy now. I think if if they absolutely needed him to return this season, once the season returns, I think that, you know, he could play, but he's not going to. But I think that's a smart move going forward just to keep him healthy and to keep him – keep his mind right. And I just – you know, I think that going down the line, I think the Wizards will be okay. Yeah, interesting dynamic between Gortat and Nene. It seems like you would just want to have one of them, not necessarily both of them, because just just the way that the the way the game of basketball is played now is just like you said, threes over and over again. And if if it just seems like one of them would have been good to have, but both of them just seems like. You're you're trying to do something that hasn't worked in probably fifteen years. Yes, and, th- and that's think, just that just seems where they were. Right, and I think that they, you know, they'll get to a point where I think that they'll get guys that can stretch the floor. Like Davis Bertans is a very good backup, and I think that you know the other issue is too was that. You know, Bogdan. I mean, Boyan Bogdanovich was a guy that left in free agency after he traded for him. And I think, you know, he's another guy that if he came off the bench, if you have Boyan and and Davis Bertans coming off the bench and shooting threes, you modernize the team. And I think the team would have been in a better spot right now if you had guys like that. Both. I mean, if you had both guys like that. And maybe, you know, they'll consider getting a three-point shooter and uh, in the draft and everything. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens with this team. I'm I don't think they'll be as bad as they were this year, but I do think that they need to make some space. I mean, some uh, you know, some big moves, and we have to see what'll happen with the cap once all of this is over. Yeah, that's definitely going to play an interesting uh, factor is how the the salary cap's going to be handled with, uh, you know, the current delay and everything and, you know, expected financial ramifications that some teams will have. Um, On a lighter note, I guess, uh, you you mentioned Isaiah Thomas when he played for the Celtics, but Isaiah Thomas also played for both of our teams. Uh, I want to get what your uh, experience with Isaiah Thomas was. Because uh, the experience of Isaiah Thomas in Cleveland was not great. How was it in Washington? So, 
you know, I think that Wizards fans, they knew Isaiah Thomas as a, he was the Wizards killer. And it was similar to how you guys kind of, I feel like it was very similar to how you guys felt about Antoine, Anton Jameson. Um, you know, I mean, it was kind of like, okay, this guy's not the same player. And we know this for a fact. Like, he's just not the same guy. Now, you know, can he can he give us some some minutes off the bench and, you know, be a solid backup point guard? We'll see. But as I said before, I, I thought that, you know, you already had Ish Smith, and I think Ish Smith was a good change of pace guy to John Wall. Um, I thought that he was solid. And Ish Smith played really well in spurts this season. Um, and so I just didn't think it was a, a need for Isaiah Thomas. I thought, okay, maybe if he plays well, you flip him. And, you know, they did that even – and they flipped him even though he didn't play well. So, I mean, it was just like one of those signings that, okay, we'll sign you to a one-year deal. Let's see what happens, and then we'll move you. And, I mean, they, they got a solid piece back in Jerome Robinson, I think. I think – I like – I do like that move to, um you know, grab him. And I think that they're sitting in a better situation now than they were at the beginning of the season, I, I believe. Now, the experience that uh, Isaiah Thomas had in Cleveland was not great because uh, he was coming off that surgery that he had, so he was just out indefinitely. And he was, you know, one of the players that came back in the trade with Kyrie Irving. So a lot of people weren't necessarily happy about that trade to begin with. And Isaiah Thomas having this just no one knew when he was actually going to play type of thing. Then when he actually did, he was not a, a great fit which is why we saw the the massive overhaul of the entire roster uh, not too soon after. He, he didn't play that much in, in Cleveland. Um, it was only a handful of games, but it just what we saw was just not a good fit overall with what the team was. Yeah, he only played 15 games in Cleveland. <clears throat> uh, it just wasn't a good fit with you know LeBron James and... And, and Kevin Love, and there's a playing style issue. Uh, with Washington, I, I feel that since John Wall wasn't playing, it didn't, may not have been that much of an issue as it would if uh, John Wall would have been playing. Right. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that, you know, if John Wall had been playing, I think that, well, it, it's, a, it's a funny situation. I think if John Wall had been playing, Isaiah Thomas would have definitely taken more of a, a step back. Um, and I think that, you know, with John, with, with Scott Brooks's, you know, coaching style, he's not a very <laughs> – he doesn't know how to stagger minutes that well. So I think, you know, he would have – Isaiah Thomas would have still been playing a great deal of time, but it, it just wouldn't have been – you know, he would have been on the court at a point where, I mean, he's five foot nine. He can't guard very well on the court. And I think that's the biggest issue with the Wizards is that they just don't have guys that are good defensive players. And I think that, you know, when you got a guy in Bradley Beal who is a very good offensive player, we all know the kind of player Bradley Beal can be on the offensive side of the ball. But defensively, it's like, you know, it kind of lacks. And, the intensity, I feel like, doesn't get turned up on defense until John Wall comes back. 
and or you know Scott Brooks gets uh, axed at some point, which I think is coming soon. If you know the Wizards are just giving themselves at some time, and I mean I think Tommy Shepard, he is a guy that wants to evaluate people, and I mean this last season showed me enough that Scott Brooks, I mean, this isn't, you know, his locker room and this will never be his team. And I think they need to get somebody that is a guy that, you know, can, can they can rally around and that, you know, tries to modernize his game for the Wizards. It seems like the Wizards have had a, a fair share of uh, coaching changes that have gone on. Uh, only because it, it seems like every single time I hear of the Wizards coach, I'm like, oh, when did that happen? Because um, they had they had Scott Brooks since 2016. You, so you think he's he's gone, or you think that they're, they're looking to to replace him? I think that they're looking to replace him. The question is, can they grab somebody that is a better coach? And I think they can. You know, I think it's a lot of coaches out there. I mean. I honestly, you know, everybody always talks about Jeff Van Gundy coming back. They're like, I'm so Martin Jack. <laughs> yeah, I, I am too. And I mean, but the funny part w- would be that I honestly think Jeff Van Gundy or any, a lot of the guys that are, you know, just sitting around right now, I think that they, a bunch of them would be better coaches than Scott Brooks. But I also feel like Scott Brooks hasn't been dealt a, a full hand with the Wizards either. So, I mean, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, Okay, do you blame Scott Brooks fully? You know, for cuz I mean, we saw his work with the with with the Thunder. I mean, he was he was a very good coach with the Thunder, but he also had, you know, a top 2-3 player in the league in Kevin Durant and, you know, Russell Westbrook was nothing to be sneezed at and initially he had uh James Harden, but then he had, you know, Serge Ibaka on top of it and other players Those too. Are I mean, some it, good Thunder teams. Yes. And I mean, he had a he had a very good ge- a general manager. I mean, Sam Presti was an outstanding general manager for them. So I mean, you know, he's just not in the same situation. So is it? I mean, in my in my thought process, the best coaching jobs that you need to you know have are when you you don't have all the all the pieces. You know, that's going to show me the most, and I think. In a in a situation where they had John Wall, if they had John Wall, you know, and they still weren't good, I think immediately the Wizards would have pulled the trigger, you know, and I think that they would have blown the team up. But I think at this point, with John Wall's gigantic contract, you can't, you absolutely cannot blow the team up if they tried to trade John Wall. Now Bradley Beal, um, you know, maybe they would think about you know trading him. But I think Scott Brooks, you know, maybe they give him an extra year because he didn't have John Wall. He didn't have a full hand of cards. And, you know, next year he gets a he gets a high draft pick. He gets John Wall back. You know, Rui Hachimura is there. And then we'll see what happens. Yeah, it looks like they should definitely give him. I, I would be on board with them getting one more year only because, like you said, the you know, John Wall not playing and, you know, the way that this season unfolded. I mean, because his first two years, first first in the division, second in the division, two playoff appearances, and just seems it's taking a little bit of a step back downhill a little bit. But I, I think there's definitely that chance for bounce back. 
you know, if they handle the roster correctly, I, I think they can they can bounce back. Maybe not win the division, but maybe get higher than fourth or fifth. Yes, and I and I'm right there with you on that. I think if they if they maximize and maybe not necessarily maximize I mean, you you have the Yam Mahimi contract coming off the books as well. And I think that's something that people didn't necessarily look at from the outside. They're like, Okay, well, John Wall, Bradley Beal, what about the, all these stupid moves that they made in Yan Mahimi? You know, why is he why did he get sixty four million dollars over for four seasons and I mean it was back in 2016 when the cat space just skyrocketed and so you know teams were just like okay let me throw money at guys because I think you know the cap will explode going forward and it just didn't happen so now the Wizards have a, a GM that's not gonna go and waste money on guys like that you know I wouldn't why would you sign Jan Mahimi a $64 million deal. That just never made any sense to me. But now you're sitting in a situation where his contract comes off the books. You know, you have the opportunity to re-sign Davis Bertans. You could still make a good draft pick this season. I mean, this upcoming draft, um, you know, we'll see what happens. If they can get the big guy from USC, the center, you know, maybe a lot of people are like, well, if LaMelo Ball comes to the Wizards, the Wizards have been heavily scouting him. Um, I don't know so much about that move. Maybe it's a it's one of those moves that I'm like, okay, if you pick Lamelo Ball, that's definitely the end of John Wall and and yeah. you know Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go and pick someone else, that's like you know if you get that center from USC, um, I think that they're saying, okay, well, look, hey, John. We're giving you a guy that we can that we know you can work with. He's a good pick and roll player. He's a guy that can grab those rebounds. A, a guy that um, you know, is perfect for this wizard team, a rim protector, all that stuff. And I think, you know, yes, his size is a little bit of a concern height wise, but he also has that arm length that, you know, I think in a rim protector in today, today's league, he works out perfectly. So I just think that that's a guy, if, if he falls to the Wizards, if a guy like that comes to the Wizards, a James Wiseman, if the mm-hmm. Wizards could get, if they fall in the top five and James Wiseman is there, I mean, I I don't see why not. <laughs> I don't I don't see why this Wizards team couldn't be, you know, a, a fifth seed next season. If James Wiseman is there for the Wizards, because I think had James Wiseman played in college this year, he would have been the best player. I mean, had he played the entire season, I think he would have been, you know, one of the best players in, in, in college basketball. So, I mean, you're, if they can grab a guy like that, you know, that can score, that can play defense, that is, you know, just a, a, a great talent, pair him with a John Wall, pair him with a Bradley Beal, have Troy Brown come off the bench. You know, Rui Hachimura is already there. Uh, Davis Breton's coming. He's coming off the bench. They could probably sign another veteran or two. I mean, this team is a vastly changed team versus last season, where they just were. You know, they were sputtering. They had a couple of guys that were okay, but they weren't. You know, going to give you anything. And now you got a you got a young guy like Jerome Robinson, who I, who I really like. I like his. Uh, I mean, he's a really good defensive specialist. So, you know, they they get in those pieces around them that I'm like. This is a much improved team if 
if they can do something like that, you know, and possibly, you know, we could see, we could watch the Wizards back in the playoffs next year if John Wall's healthy, if they can get, you know, a, a center that can grab rebounds and, and maybe score. If, if they get James Wiseman, James Wiseman is the third option immediately for the Wizards Absolutely. after John Wall and Bradley Beal. So if you get him, you have a legitimate third option and, and as a scorer who's young, who's fresh, you know, that can keep the team together um, just off of his ability to, you know, score and play and get rebounds. I mean, that that's exactly what I think the Wizards have always needed. Yeah, I, th- I definitely do think, uh, you know, a good big man would definitely change the uh, trajectory for this particular version of the Washington Wizards. Uh, I yeah. think I think that's a that's a good place to end with this is that you know get the Wizards a big man let's let's hopefully John Wall's healthy they can you know try and work some you know three person dynamic between Wall Beal and unnamed hypothetical big man. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I mean, I will say though before we do end, I will say if. If the Cavs are sitting there at two, I wouldn't be surprised if they took James Wiseman, honestly. See, that's it's interesting. They are just in a, in a very interesting spot roster-wise only because they have Kevin Love, they have Andre Drummond, they have Larry Nance Jr. Not that you don't take players because of, you know, you want a good long-term outlook. It's just, it would be an interesting scenario to uh, consider. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely right there with you on that. I mean, uh, Lamelo Ball would be an interesting add to that group if they were if they really believe that they are closer to contending than I think that they actually are. I think that would be an interesting add. But you know, James Wiseman uh, for long term roster building, I think would probably be a solid pick. Exactly, and I I think that he he's a guy that you know can change he can change a team around. I think. Um, 